and we're live. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Jonathan Kogan Show. I'm your host, Johnny K. Today, we got a bombshell study out of Denmark. Super interesting. So many clips. Don't even know where to start. I do know where to start, but I don't know where to go from there because you got you to listen to Dr. McCullough. You got to listen to uh, Kim Iverson, John Campbell, uh, just a lot of credible sources, um, people who have been in this fight with us. You know, our brothers and sisters, our truth seekers, our apolitical, um, unbiased peeps, okay, as I like to say. I've never said that before, but now I like to say it. So before we get started, I got to ask, please subscribe to the Jonathan Cogan Show podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Please subscribe to the Rumble channel, subscribe to the YouTube channel. I mean, this video obviously probably won't be there because it's too much truth for the YouTube censors for the totalitarian regime running that uh, software or whatever you want to call it. Uh, Twitter at KOGZ, fantastic clips and just massive truth bombs, as you know. And let's just get started. So Denmark, there was a huge study that came out of Denmark from scientists out there that have found that there's clearly evidence that batches that, that the, uh, the probability of an adverse event with the COVID vaccine that went out worldwide, that it seems like there was a coordinated effort that changed the strength or in, in fact made the shot a placebo later on because it was too dangerous. So what do I mean? There's a, I'm going to have other people explain this better, but it shows that perhaps the original dosage was so high that the first group of batches, there was an adverse event in one in every 20 vaccinations one in every 20 you heard that right okay and they saw this and they're like oh my god we need to dilute it so then they dilute it and then it becomes one in a thousand and then they're like oh wow we have so many adverse events out there but we got you know we still need people to get it we can't just like pull it off the market so let's just give everyone a placebo and then all of a sudden adverse events went to one in never because they didn't exist it went to zero the batches went to zero so you have the batches of one in 20 to then one in a thousand to Zero. Okay, zero. I don't know, zero. I mean, think about that. Think about that. And that they quietly did this without anybody knowing. And what's interesting is uh, a lot of studies, uh, th there was a study that was just published by Dr. McCullough, Harvey Reich, uh, professor of epidemiology at Yale, you know, very credible doctors. They, they actually just posted a study. Um, let's see if I, I have it here. Uh, yeah, it was a preprint uh, for The Lancet. Uh, a systematic review of autopsy findings and deaths after COVID-19 vaccination. And it was already censored. It was already censored. Huge names on this. Very credible people. So, yeah. William Mackis, Harvey Risch, Peter McCullough. I mean, Peter McCullough and Harvey Risch have, a, have a, 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 a an over 100 score. So, like, people who are the best, most peer-reviewed scientists in the world have this score, you know, amongst their little community here of like how many peer reviewed uh, publications you have and how credible you are. And McCullough is like one of the highest um, uh, published uh, scientists ever, let alone alive. And Harvey Risch is really high as well. So these are very credible people and it's being censored. Why? Because science is no longer science. It's now the science and it is owned by the elites. Okay. And in case you didn't know, you are a peasant. So you do not get to read it. So let's just get right into it. You don't listen to me, you know, jib and jab and talk about all this. You need to hear about the professionals. You need to hear other people. This is unbelievable. We're going to start off with a quick one minute clip. Uh, this is uh, things. This comes from the Vigilant Fox on Twitter. It is a clip. Uh, Dr. McCullough discusses bad batches. Quote, the side effects are through the roof. Quote, the reason why most people are fine after the shot is because they had low risk batches. So Schmeling and colleagues from Denmark found that 4.2% of Pfizer shots accounted for 71% of suspected adverse events. I'm going to just repeat that and then I'll play the clip. This study from Denmark found that 4.2% of the shots accounted for 71% of the suspected adverse events. I mean, just think about that probabilistically, statistically, that's very odd. Very, 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 very odd. This is from The Absolute Truth with Emerald Robinson, minute 13 seconds. This is Dr. Peter McCullough, one of the most published scientists in ever, 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 period. Here we go. Bad batches. 
what more do we know about possible bad batches? And how do people find out if they took one of those bad batches? The bad batches explain probably 75% of the variation there. A paper by Schmeling and colleagues from Denmark published in the peer-reviewed literature, they had all the outcomes from the Pfizer vaccine. They clearly showed three groups. Group which about 30% of cases, low risk batches, nothing happens. They take the shot, nothing happens. Two thirds take the shot and they have moderate side effects. And then sadly, the third batch, 4.2% of doses, the side effects are through the roof, including myocarditis, blood clots, heart damage. So uh, we can tell you that the reason why most people are fine is because they had low risk batches. The high risk batches must either hyper concentrate the messenger RNA and the lipid nanoparticles or be contaminated by what's called cDNA or plasmids or other contaminants. There's no inspections of these vials before they roll out to the public under EUA. Uh, these simply are produced and then distributed out. I mean, this is a massive manufacturing issue. Whatever you think of this at all, this is a massive, massive problem in the production of a medication or a medical intervention that's going out to billions of people okay billions of people and there's clearly whether now the question is is it intentional you know internal uh quality controls or the quality controls in, intentionally off you know was it like you know did we try to put out too high of a dose did we have to lower it because we couldn't pull it off the market and look sketchy you know that's a question you should ask but nonetheless the quality control something's wrong. So then we need to look into it. Is it intentional? Is it not intentional? And listen, now everything we know now, I would be thrilled to hear, oh, wow, I got a placebo. I was part of the placebo group. That's fantastic. But think about the people that went there that believed this thing was going to save their life or else. Like this was everything. And then you find out that you were given sailing. Okay. Yes. You might be like, oh, I'm super grateful now, you know, now everything. No, but wouldn't you be pissed that you went in to get something and you didn't get that thing they promised you, they gave you saline? Like, you should be livid. You should be furious. That would make me so upset. I mean, listen, now looking back at history, it's really good that you probably got that. I mean, here, Kim Kim Iverson explains this part really well. Uh, she has a great uh, a whole clip on this. I'm just going to play this end of it where she talks about this exact thing uh, that I'm mentioning where – Listen, if you went in for that thing, you better hope to get that thing. <laughs> so here we go. They wanted this vaccine for them to find out that they were maybe part of an experiment where there was a 30% chance they didn't get the real thing. They would be outraged. The rest of us should be outraged as well that we said they were experimenting. This was an experiment. And this study that has come out of Denmark, when they looked at all the vaccines and the batches that were given to all the Danish people, and they found, they were able to see that there was these trends and it shouldn't have this kind of trend. It should be pretty much even all across the board, but different groups. And they found that blue group, they pulled those vaccines quietly out of the market before they hit 75,000 jabs when they realized one in six or one in 10 were getting sick. And they knowingly rolled out a placebo. They didn't even test it. They didn't even bother. Why? You don't need to. It's just saline. So this is infuriating. This is a bombshell. This absolutely needs to be investigated here in the United States. If they found this in Denmark, where else could they possibly find this? Another good question would be, are the records good enough in the United States? Did they keep good enough records able to uncover something like this? My guess is they wouldn't have. My guess is that they, um, if they were going to be doing something like that knowingly onto the American public, that they would have maybe done a little bit of a better job covering up for themselves. But, you know, I mean, it's not like we're dealing with the, <laughs> I, I was gonna, we're not dealing with scientists, it turns out, you know, should be, right? Should be dealing with intelligent scientists, but don't know who we're dealing with during this pandemic. So this is a bombshell. This actually goes along with, there was a-, a So, right? Very good point. Very valid points. I mean, this is insanity. Okay. And when I would tell people, when we, when we, when we started this podcast, we would tell people like, you're the experiment, like you're the guinea pig. Obviously we don't have long-term data. And people would yell back. Like, what do you mean? We don't have long-term data. It's a hundred percent. Like what? Like step back, like take the emotions out of it. Breathe, you know, preferably through your nose. Don't be a mouth breather. Not good for you. Breathe in and out of your nose and think, 
Hmm. This is brand new. Hmm. It's barely been tested. Hmm. The control group, quote unquote, was fully vaccinated after like six months. So now there's no control group. Hmm. Perhaps you are the guinea pig. Oh, wow. And then if you said that, though, people would be furious. How dare you question the science? Science will win. I want to wear my mask that says science will win. We can get through this if you do this for grandma. Oh, it doesn't stop grandma from getting sick. And it might even kill me, but do it for grandma. The science doesn't matter. It's the science. What? Wait, what'd you say? It's the science. Well, what does that mean? I mean, I just want some research and some long-term safety data. It's the science. You question the science, you question God. Like, what? What are we talking about here? This isn't a religion. Like, this is wacko. This is whack a doodle I don't even know what to call it. I'm going to make up a word for it. This is insanity. But it looks like people are getting on their bearings. People are kind of getting back to, you know, I don't know whether we're going to call it homeostasis. I think we're still, you know, tilted quite a bit. But I think people are somewhat going like, um, questions need to be asked. Perhaps answers should be given. And perhaps the people should take their power back. Uh, in fact, you got powerful people, quote unquote, you know, like, you know, Wall Street and stuff like that. Bill Ackman, billionaire hedge fund manager. He's looking into, you know, Robert F. Kennedy Jr.'s claims, and he posted out a very thoughtful tweet, actually. Um, in fact, do you want me to read it to you? I feel like you're saying, yeah, yeah, I want to hear it. I didn't really read it. Well, I thought this was a pretty thoughtful. It's long, so we may not get through all of it. But I want you to people that have pull, that have audiences, that have people that listen to them are thinking for themselves and they're questioning things appropriately, appropriately. OK, and this is what Bill Ackman said billionaire hedge fund manager he goes i tweeted hold on <clears throat> he goes i this is the best beginning paragraph ever he goes i tweeted that robert f kennedy jr raised some important questions about vaccine safety and now i am being labeled a QAnon conspiracist by some and a member of the alt-right by others that's what happens you know the rules you question the science you question the government you question the elites you're an alt-right trump anti-human want to destroy the earth scum you know like keith Oldman said scum russian scum that's what you are okay he goes i have long believed that incentives drive all human behavior this gives me reason to be open to the potential risks and conflicts as more and more vaccines are prescribed for our children developing a successful drug is expensive typically about one to two billion and it takes an average of 10 to 15 years to bring a drug to market most drugs have a limited market, that is, those who have the targeted disease or condition who can afford to pay for the cost of the drug. Even when a successful drug is brought to market, the drug company remains liable for any potential damages from those who are harmed by the drug. The above reasons are why getting profitable drugs approved is challenging and risky. But imagine for a second, however, if one, you could create a drug in a much shorter period of time, a year or two, rather than 10 to 15 years, and the total cost to get it approved and marketed to patients was a fraction of the cost of a typical drug. Two, the new drug is prescribed for everyone, regardless of health, and therefore the market for the drug is every newborn or potentially everyone on the planet. Three, the drug is prescribed for everyone regardless of their age or consent, and they need to take it in order to attend school or keep their job, and the government pays for it. Four, the patients who are prescribed the drug are of an age where they are incapable of assessing the risk versus the reward for taking the drug. Five, the drug needs to be taken every year regardless of the health of the individual who takes it. Six, the drug companies who manufacture these new drugs are exempt from liability for these drugs even if they cause serious harm or death. And last but not least, seven, drug companies are A, permitted to advertise on TV and on other media and are one of the largest sources of revenue for the news media who are responsible for educating the public about risks to the public health and safety and B, the drug companies are also major lobbyists to the government and funders of the FDA. And he says, if one in seven were true and you were a drug company, you would seek to obtain approval for as many of the above drugs as possible as the above drugs would have the lowest R&D costs, the fastest time to market, the lowest marketing costs, and the largest addressable market with no liability. You following me here? A couple more. 
you would be crazy not to develop as many of the as many of the above drugs as possible and do everything possible to convince the government to make them standard of care and motivate the public to take them. If you were a citizen, however, you would want the above drugs to receive the highest scrutiny for safety and efficacy, and you would want longitudinal studies to understand the long-term effects and the potential cumulative effects of these drugs in particular on children. Now, if the number of doses of these drugs taken by children increased from three to 72 in the last 30 years or so, and over that same period, there was a massive unexplained increase in the percentage of kids that suffered from debilitating diseases like autism and other less debilitating but concerning issues like allergies and eczema, you would look deeper until you understood what was causing the massive increase in these issues. Now, of course, I am talking about vaccines. But instead of going deeper to understand what is going on, the media and others attack anyone who dares to raise these concerns. This is not how we get to the truth. We need to think about vaccines the same way we think about other drugs, particularly when we are deciding whether or not to inject a one-day-old infant or a three-year-old child. We need to assess what is the benefit to the child in protecting them from a disease versus the potential risk from side effects from each vaccine. And so that's his tweet. I thought that was very thoughtful and very, very good. that it's just questioning. It's just trying to find the objective truth. This isn't nothing's partisan here. Nothing is is like like put you on Republican, Democrat, independent. This is why this why people just automatically go to that makes me think that they make all their decisions based on their emotions. Because the truth is, this right here, what you're listening or watching right now, is the number one apolitical podcast in the world. Why? Because there's very few apolitical podcasts. Because people can't help but be political. It's bizarre. We just care about the pursuit of truth and happiness. If we can, you know, have a pursuit of happiness too, that'd be cool. But truth, we just care about truth. If it's uncomfortable, it's uncomfortable. It is what it is. We just need the peasants to get the truth. You, I, everybody. All right. So let's continue here. That I wasn't planning on getting to that right away. So a lot more video clips. Let's go back to the Denmark study. So there's a few clips I could play on this, uh, from the actual, uh, uh, publisher from the person who actually did the study themselves. I'll play that video in a second. Uh, they did an interview, uh, the scientist did an interview with uh, Dr. John Campbell. But before we get into that, I want to play this real quick clip. If you remember this, and if you haven't, you're in for a treat, but you've probably seen this. This is old. Uh, this is Mark Zuckerberg, and this is relevant. Uh, this is from a, a great tweet thread, tweet thread from Kanakoa the Great where uh, this was broken by, um, uh, what's it called, Uh, uh, Project Veritas. Uh, Mark Zuckerberg privately told Facebook execs to be cautious about mRNA vaccines because, quote, we just don't know the long-term effects of basically modifying people's DNA and RNA. He then censored scientists, doctors, and mRNA vaccine-injured individuals. This is just a minute clip, and uh, it doesn't play the full thing of his audio. The audio is really bad. This is from July 16th, 2020. Okay. When Mark did this, a video leaked of him. If you never saw this, then you don't, you're way behind, but a video leaked of him telling his closest confidants at, at, you know, the executive level, like, you know, you probably shouldn't take this thing. And then obviously they became the number one propaganda arm of the government. But this is, this has uh, little tidbits from project Veritas. Just listen to it and, and we'll, we'll get you on the other side. Here we go. We just don't know the long-term side effects of, of basically modifying people's um, DNA and RNA. DNA is inherent in your own We just don't know the long-term side effects of, of basically modifying people. Last week, Facebook announced they are, quote, expanding their efforts to remove false claims on Facebook and Instagram about COVID-19 vaccines. Let's take a look at Facebook's most updated COVID-19 vaccine policy. The real kicker is right here in the policy where Facebook says it would remove any content that, quote, claims the COVID-19 vaccine changes people's DNA. Well, we just got a new leaked tape from Zuckerberg himself, the CEO of Facebook, basically violating his own code of conduct. He would be censored for him today for what he said caution on this because um, we just don't know the long-term side effects of of basically modifying people's um, DNA and RNA. So when Zuckerberg said, quote, basically the vaccine is modifying people's DNA, it seems pretty clear modifying is synonymous with changing. Again, Zuckerberg would be banned from Facebook for saying this. This video of me showing the CEO of Facebook talking. 
So what is the bigger thing going on here? It just makes you think like, what is going on? Like, I'm just thinking in my head, these people knowingly, I mean, we knew on this podcast, many truth seekers knew, but these people knew and then took actions to prevent the truth from getting out there. What is that motive? Why, why, why are we ever going to know? I have no idea, but it's just awfully strange that they intentionally were proactively preventing the truth from getting out there and just makes you think is this some sinister play? It just, I mean, honestly, because we don't know, it makes you just go to the, like the worst place possible because you're a normal human and no one could possibly understand why someone would want other people to hurt themselves if they could have had that information to prevent themselves from being hurt. Because you're normal. Currently, the world's run by sociopaths, psychopaths. And that's just the world we find ourselves in. But we will get our world back. We're slowly getting there. This podcast, many others, we're getting there. We're getting there, okay? It's little, you know, baby steps, millimeter steps, or whatever measurement even smaller than that. But we're creeping. We're creeping. I'm seeing more courage out there. It's it's feeling very good. I'm seeing more people having the balls to, to, to speak the truth, even though it's uncomfortable. And even though people, you can get banned and all this stuff. Like, come on. I'll be banned off threads, the new Twitter for Facebook in like a day. In fact, I had a great first uh, thread, they call it. Okay. Best part about threads. It's like Twitter, except the CIA and FBI having full access to your private data. So awesome. It's amazing. Okay. So uh, more clips to get into here. More clips to get into. Let's see what we got. One second. So uh, we can go to, you know what? We're going to do a little pivot here and then we're going to go to John Campbell. Okay. Because today Lex Friedman dropped a podcast with Robert F. Kennedy Jr. Okay. And there were two clips that I've clipped. Uh, this is a three minute clip uh, because we were just talking about how the world's run by socio-psychopaths and, but we don't know because we can't get in their head. So Lex Friedman asks, <laughs> he asks uh, Robert F. Kennedy Jr., to steel man the argument and ask what is the biggest positive thing you think Anthony Fauci did for the world? And this answer is so stunning. You just have to listen to it because it's just, it's unbelievable. This guy, I'm just gonna give you my little tidbit may have done the most harm on humanity than anybody ever. Definitely in America. I mean, this is so bad. Just listen to him say it. it this is just a great segment. I think it's really important for you to hear. And then we'll continue on with the Denmark study. Uh, you wrote a book harshly criticizing Anthony Fauci. Let me ask you to steel man the case of the people who support him. What is the biggest positive thing you think Anthony Fauci did for the world? What is good that he has done for the world, especially during this pandemic? You know, I don't want to uh, sit here and speak uncharitably by saying the guy um, didn't do anything. I don't, I can't think of anything. I mean, if you, um, if you tell me something that you think he did, you know, maybe there was a drug that got licensed while he was in NIH that, you know, benefited people. That's certainly possible. He was there for 50 years. And I, I in terms of his, um, of his principal programs of the AIDS programs and his COVID programs. And I think that the harm that he did vastly outweighed the, uh, the, the benefits. Do you think he believes he's doing good for the world? I don't know what he believes. I, in fact, in that book, which is, I think, 250,000 words, I never try to look inside of his head. I, just, I deal with facts. I deal with science. Oh, and I, every, every factual assertion in that book is cited and sourced to government databases or peer-reviewed publications. And I don't, I try not to speculate about things that I don't know about or I can't prove. And I do, I cannot tell you what his motivations were. Or, I mean, all of us, he's done a thing, a lot of things that I think are really very, very bad things for humanity, very uh, deceptive. But we all have this, um, this capacity for self-deception, as I said at the beginning of this podcast, we we judge ourselves on our intentions rather than our actions, and we all have an almost infinite capacity to convince ourselves that what we're doing is is right. And um, you know, not everybody kind of lives an examined life and is examining their motivations and the way that the world might experience um, their professions of goodness. Let me ask about the difficulty of the job he had. Do you think it's possible to do that kind of job well? 
or is it also a fundamental flaw of the job of being the central centralized figure that's supposed to no, have scientific policy? I, I, no, I think he was a genuinely bad human being and that there were many, many good people in that department over the years. Uh, um, Bernice Eddy is a really good example. John Anthony Morris, many people whose uh, careers he destroyed because they were trying to tell the truth. One after the other, the greatest scientists in the history of NIH were run out of that organization, out of that agency. Um, but people listening to this, you know, probably, you know, will, in hearing me say that, will think that I'm bitter or that I. I'm doctrinaire about him, but you know you should really go and read my book. And I, it's hard to summarize a, you know, I tried to be really methodical, to not call name, to, to just say what happened. I mean, that is, uh, I thought that was a really powerful clip. And if you haven't read the book, The Real Anthony Fauci, or listened to the audiobook like I did, that is a requirement. You have to go do that now. It's a tough one, okay? It's a tough one because it's dark, man. It is dark. It's going to open your eyes to another side of humanity you don't want to know exists and didn't know it exists, but you need to confront truth. And that's just what we have to do nowadays. We are in a different world. We have made it to peak upside down, backwards world. And the way to get it back upright is to start learning the truth, exposing the truth, airing it out, talking through solutions, making the world better, having difficult discussions, debates, and stuff like that. So go read The Real Anthony Fauci. Uh, very, very good. I've recommended it here many times. So uh, let's go back. Uh, let's go back to the batches because that was the main topic du jour. We got a little sidetracked, but it was very, very important to be sidetracked, and that's okay. So uh, this, uh, we'll go with this first clip. This is uh, from John Campbell, okay, Dr. Campbell. Uh, this is on uh, his, his YouTube channel. You know, he's pretty, all he does is talk about science and a lot of stuff around COVID and stuff like that. And he's talking about the Denmark study, which we started with. And uh, I'm just going to play it from the beginning here where he walks you through a little bit, little bit of it. Uh, and I think it's important to listen to this background. And then I will play you a clip from an interview with the person who published the study, the scientist behind it. And I think that's very important as well. But just, uh, just take a listen to this just to get some background. And then I'll play a couple other clips to make it come full circle. This talk is really quite interesting. It deals with data, which is highly let's think of a word, uh, anomalous. It actually shows the incidence of suspected adverse reactions to the Pfizer vaccine areas by a factor of thousands, thousands fold differences, depending on the batch of vaccines that was given. And this is based on a paper that's actually going viral at the moment from Denmark. Later on, we'll be talking about the difficulty in getting this paper published, but it was actually published now in a peer-reviewed journal. And the data really is quite incredible. And I've also had the privilege of interviewing one of the authors today, which I'll give you more information on in a minute. I've talked to the lead author quite extensively today. So this is the paper here. Uh, vaccine dependent safety in the Pfizer vaccine depends on the batch, very much depends on the batch. And just to give you a flavor of this, to see if you want to watch this video, 71% of suspected adverse reactions, the SARs, occurred in 4.2% batches. And this is quite incredible. The variation was in factors of thousands. The graph here. Now, this is the graph from the authors. Now, what this is showing is anything here, higher up, is related to more uh, suspected adverse events. Any dot lower down, is uh, related to less suspected adverse events. See here, the authors put them into clusters. So we've got this blue cluster here, mostly vaccine-only. Then we've got this intermediate green one here. And then we've got this yellow one on the bottom. And we see that here, for example, we have massively high rates of adverse reactions. Now, let me just show you a bit about um, on, in another slightly different format here. So here we have this graphic here. Um, now, this is the blue, very high adverse reactions up here. Now, this highest reaction here means that there was one suspected action per 20 doses of the vaccine given. Now, this is just, we'll put a word in here, 
every 20 doses of the vaccine given, there was one suspected adverse reaction. Absolutely incredible. When we look at this, uh, when we look at this green group here, we did see an increase in adverse reactions with these batches. Um, but here, the highest dose, the highest, uh, most adverse reactions there in the green group was one in a thousand. And these are specific batches. I've got these directly from the authors. EJ6134 given out early in 2020. For every 20 vaccine doses given, there was one suspected adverse event. Slightly later on, for vaccine dose EW6126, there was one in a thousand. Still too high. And then later on, this yellow group down the bottom has been associated with no adverse reactions. Now, the reason that this group on the bottom has been associated with zero <laughs> reactions is the fact that the data is not all in yet. So as time goes on, uh, this yellow line will lift slightly from the baseline. But that thing here, incredibly high rates of adverse early on in the pandemic. Um, and that, as I say, most of these blue batches were pre-April 2021. Now, just to be uh, completely clear, the authors had no conflict of, of interest uh, other than certain papers that could be discussed where there's potential conflict of interest. The authors were very, very hard on this on their own, and this is the data they got. Let's get down to a bit of the detail now, because this really is this really is incredible. I mean, if I'd known, if I'd known about this graph and these high rates of potential side effects, one in twenty vaccines given, come on, you know, is there any way I would have accepted that vaccine? Emphatically not. In fact, if I'd known I was on the green line somewhere with one in a thousand, I wouldn't have taken it either. There's a, just a huge issue here of informed consent. Now, these batches were given out all over the world, perhaps not in the United States. The United States tended to make their own batches. The Europeans and to, to an extent, the Antipodeans shared their own batches as well. So this is perhaps a pan batch that was given here. Um, so th th this is affecting every, everywhere, presumably, this vaccine was given outside of the United States. And there's no reason to assume it would be different in the United States. The only way I would have accepted the vaccine if we'd been on the yellow line, um, if we'd known that the race of Yeah, so uh, let me just kind of sum up what he's saying. He's saying that if I was told the truth, I would have made a different decision. That is exactly against informed consent. That is a direct clear violation of the Nuremberg code. Like that is, I don't know how that's debatable. I don't know how it's not being talked about. That is a direct violation, which we have gone through. Go listen to the previous episodes. I, I did a whole time. I went through the whole Nuremberg code on this, on this podcast many, many, many months ago. We've been through this. That is a lack of informed consent. You're the experiment, or maybe you're not part of the experiment. I don't know which, you know, what you decided to do. But they were they were telling lies. They were being dishonest. The people who were telling the truth were not only being censored, they were being deplatformed. Their careers were getting smashed. If you didn't take it, you would lose your job, your career. I mean, it's unbelievable what has occurred and that there's been no reckoning of truth or like accountability. In fact, the person who led this in the United States, Dr. Anthony Fauci, who led this upside down world attack on the on the people is actually getting promoted and is now a tenured professor uh, at Georgetown, which we've covered on this podcast as well. So nothing makes sense. And if there's no accountability, why wouldn't the same group of people do this again and try and get more totalitarian control, lock you down for climate, for something else, you know, make you take something else so they can profit billions and transfer more wealth from the middle class to the elites. Why not do it again? They can't get in trouble. You know, people who steal from stores, the ones who don't, you know, don't get in trouble. If they're, if a cop saw someone walking out of the store with stolen goods and goes, ah, whatever. We got to go. Do your thing. You think they're going to go steal from another store again or no? I mean, come on. This is why accountability is vital and people should demand it. We demand it on this podcast. And I think a lot of people are demanding it, whether they're saying it out loud, they know something's not right. They know something isn't right. So, um, it's unbelievable. They quietly changed the formula this is illegal in so many ways. It's like mind-blowing. It's absolutely mind-blowing. 
Um, so, you know, I'm actually going to play, uh, the clip now. Uh, this is from, uh, the person who's behind the study. I'll pronounce her name wrong, but Vebeke Manashia, MD, PhD, author and lecturer. Uh, let me share this, uh, this clip, uh, again, it's from John Campbell, but it's from chief nerd on Twitter. Great, great, uh, Twitter follow new Dr. Vebeke Manichi explains her new peer reviewed Pfizer vaccine safety study, which has gone viral quote. 4.2% of the batches are associated with almost 71% of the reported side effects. You would usually expect that if the batches were the same quality, you would expect more or less the same amount of side effects. Yeah, because it's the same thing. This is a huge difference between the batches. Why did something change along the way? Listen to this clip. It's about a nine minute clip. We'll see how much we play of it, but very, very important. Take a listen. Data, which is the official data. So we've just looked at the data and, and tried to figure out out if the reported side because these are only the <coughs> reported which is maybe you know the top of the iceberg so we we looked at those and very quickly found that some batches seem to have many more reported side effects than other batches so we made this and made a, a cluster analysis on it and you know different statistic uh, work on it and then we find found out that Yes, literally, some of the batches, which is actually only 4.2% of the batches, uh, are associated with seven, almost 70 of the uh, reported side effects, which means that if literally you would usually expect that if the batches were the same quality, the product the same or the product line, the, you know, whatever, you would expect more or less the, the same amount of side effects, you know, maybe a little, but a difference between the batches. And so, you know, it's a safety signal, really. So 4.2% yes. of the batches accounted for 71% of the side effects. Yes, of the reported the, side effects. The reported yeah. adverse reactions, yeah. Yes. If you take us through this blue grouping, first of all, with the highest incidence of adverse reactions, alarmingly high yes. uh, adverse reactions. Yes. I mean, the, the thing is, these adverse, uh, these side effects, uh, adverse reactions, um, you know, everything from, well, you have death in it, but you also have like um, myocarditis, you have uh, tinnitus, you have soreness, you have redness. I mean, this is a, a bunch of side effects, some being less serious and other being more serious. And the thing is, which we didn't know when we had the study out, uh, because we couldn't have the, the information, but we had it later on, is that the, these badges, um, the blue badges, seems actually to be the batches given for the you know the citizens in the beginning of the vaccination um and 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 therefore of course some would say well that was the the elderly and the fragile but that's not the case because actually we know that uh 21 percent of the one in the blue group or who had those batches only 21 percent were uh, older than 70 while actually in the yellow line which is in you know the the lowest one it, that was that number was about 27% so the thing is it's not that the the explanation is not that it was the elderly fragile because literally mainly those vaccines were given to you know frontline uh, health personnel so so it just shows that for some odd reason there was many more um, reported side effects for very few badges. And then, you know, we go to the green group where there's kind of, you know, and obviously and statistically, statistically also uh, much less side effects reported. And then we end up with the yellow one, which is in the bottom, where as you can see, there's hardly uh, any side effects reported, or you can even say none. So the blue, the blue, the blue batches yeah. they were given.
it's gone viral, especially the last two. Mm. Notes. And I see the discussion that someone will say, well, that's just because it was the elderly and, and fragile, but that's not the case. But we can we can say with some level of certainty that the blue vaccines were given before the yellow vaccines. Yes, yes, yes. So, so the, and 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 that is the question we are raising because I think this study raises um, safety signal, but it also ra raises a question to in you know in this regard uh, Pfizer, you know whether they change the 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 batches, whether they change the product, whether they change you know. The ingredients, uh, the the transportation. They we know that they change the cold chain. Uh, you know they they change that procedure. In the beginning, it had to be minus 70 degrees. You know, kept minus 70 degrees, and and suddenly that uh, demand just disappeared. So of I I think what is the main thing about it is that it raises questions to Pfizer. Right. Let's ask this question clearly to Pfizer. Yeah. Were these blue doses formulated yes. in a different way to the green and the yellow doses? Exactly. Because that, for, for, has, has the product changed? Exactly. Has the product changed? When did it change? When did it change and why did it change? I think that is the proper questions. I mean, the authorities like the you know uh, you know agencies and that they should definitely ask these questions the the regulators the politicians who were so eager to have the you know the population vaccines and and so on and and took away some liabilities issues also i think we all need to have an answer to these questions because you know you kind of how, how was the informed consent if if someone came you know a, a young doctor 35 years old and they would say well listen you're gonna have the blue one you're gonna have that one which we know is gonna be full of side effects so take care out there or you're gonna have that one without no side effects i mean since there seems to be such a you know big difference the question is or i may come with the answer is that the population the population was not having they didn't have the proper information to literally give an informed consent this is outrageous why were we not informed in early 2021 about these horrendous levels of side effects and adverse reactions as indicated by these blue batches why were we not told about this I don't have the answer. Uh, no. uh, what, what I ask also is why didn't the medical agencies, why didn't the people who were supposed to look after these safety signals, why didn't they wake up, so to speak? Why didn't they? Because these are data which is actually there. So it's not data we have been, you know, find here, there and everywhere. It's actually data where the, you know, people in charge should have looked into these data. That's why you have the surveillance. Uh, with the safety, with the with the side effects, you know, you have that surveillance system exactly to to find these safety signals. So there is questions. I mean, this raises a lot of questions, both to the people in charge of you know the the different vaccine mandates, and, and but also to Pfizer, of course, and to the politicians, because in the end, you may argue that. The, the politicians, the, the regulators, you know, the authorities haven't been, you know, uh, enough on the tip of their toes to look at side effects and to find out why did something change along the way. And I think it's very interesting because I saw at one point that uh, the vice president for Pfizer said, I think it was an article in Nature, and, and she said, well, we are building the airplane while we are flying. And, you know, I'm like, I don't, I hate, but I prefer, you know, to be built before flying. And, and it makes sense when you see this uh, different graphs. So JAMA, Journal of the American Medical Association, Association, New England Journal of Medicine, Lancet and Archives of Internal Memory, uh, Internal Medicine, didn't even send this for peer review. Oh, no, none of them. They just, it was just the chief editor who, 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 who said, no, thank you. So one man or woman said, no, off you go. Off you go, exactly. And of course, it was very frustrating because we knew that this was important. You, you could put it another way. This is, yeah. we started almost a year ago, and I'm, I'm so grateful that uh, this uh, medical journal 
you know took the had the you know courage to to uh, to publish it and they sent it proper to peer review and we had a proper nice scientific discussion and it, it's just been a nice process but of course um it's sad because then it could have been you know publicly known beforehand before also. yeah this is taking exactly. a long time congratulations to the european journal of clinical investigation so yes. this is unbelievable so I, I don't know about you guys but i am livid and i would probably be furious if i wasn't even myself just hearing this no matter what you decided to do no matter how the cards fell this is insanity the very people that are supposed to protect you and look out for your best interests are on the same side as the manufacturers and the people trying to profit as much as possible. It does not make sense. It cannot work that way. That cannot function that way. This will not work ever. All right. And that's why there needs to be accountability because these same people, they profited tens of hundred billion dollars. They're going to do it again and again and again. And you're just going to sit in your little pod and you're just going to, you know, life's going to go on and you're just going to get, and then you're going to be like, oh, wow, we didn't give you all the information that you had. And you're going to say, oh, my God, that's not really fair. And they're going to say, well, you can't sue us. And then they're going to say, okay. And then that's it. And the next time goes, what? what? You didn't tell me all the information. Where did my leg go? Oh, my God, I don't know. I can't hear on my right ear. Well, that sucks for you. There's no liability. Like, this is what happens. It just goes forever and ever and ever. It never stops. So this is why we need to stop this stuff now. All right? Very, very important. Now, I want to end on a good note. And before I say that, please subscribe to the Jonathan Kogan Show podcast, wherever you listen to your podcasts. Thank you very much. Nice plug. Last thing, I want to end on a very positive note here. And here is the positive note that I'm going. This was all over New York Times. I'm going to pull up one of their articles from New York Times Health. If you're not, if you're listening, it says this fall, Americans will be asked to roll up their sleeves, not just for flu shots, but for new inoculations against COVID and RSV, all causes of respiratory misery. <laughs> so. Let me just click this real quick. Um, oh, this is fantastic. So federal officials hatch a three-pronged defense against another triple-demic. This fall, Americans will be urged to get shots against the flu, COVID, and RSV, baby. So New York Times, the officials, the pharmaceutical companies, the politicians, they got your back. They are coming with more injections right into your arm, baby. Right into your arm. You know, the end of this game, you actually turn into the Pfizer logo. That's what's awesome. You eventually, after a few years, you just turn into the Pfizer logo. You're just a walking logo. You, in fact, when the lights turn off, your stomach glows Pfizer. It's the ultimate branding opportunity ever. So you're in this movie theater and all of a sudden you're like, why is everything glowing? It's just Pfizer, Pfizer, and it blinks. And then you see someone else and his back is lit up. You're like, what is that? It's like Moderna, Moderna. <laughs> That's where we're going, baby. That's where we're going. That's fantastic. That is fantastic. No, it's awful. We need to correct this very, very soon. Okay. So, um, you know, we'll end on a bonus material here. We got a lot of people watching. So we'll do a little bonus, little bonus right here. One more clip from the Lex Friedman uh, with RFK. Uh, tweeted this out again at KOGZ. Um, this was in relation to why do you think Peter Hotez rejected the offer to debate on Joe Rogan's podcast? Two minutes, 15 seconds. We'll end on this, you know, take it or leave it, whatever you want. I'm just playing it for you because it's information that you need to hear. As you know, we didn't cover that on this podcast because it went so viral. Everyone knew about the Joe Rogan and the debates and what was going on and, you know, Hotez running and RFK asking and then Bill Ackman coming on. So here is uh, what just said. This is today. This just happened a couple hours ago. It was done over July 4th weekend. So why do you think Peter has rejected the offer to debate on Joe Rogan's podcast? Here's the whole clip. Joe Rogan proposed just such a debate, which is quite fatty how much attention and how much funding it, it garnered. Uh, the debate between you and Peter Hotez. Why do you think uh, Peter rejected the offer? I think it's, I th I, you know, again, I'm not going to look into his head. But what I will say is if you're a scientist and you're making public recommendations based upon what you say is evidence-based science, you ought to be able to defend that. You ought to be able to defend it in a public forum and you ought to be able to defend it against you know, all comers. And you know, uh, so I, I, you know, if you're a scientist, science is based on, is rooted in logic and reason. And if you can't use logic and reason to defend your position, and by the way, 
I know almost all of this. You know, I've written books on them and big efforts to assemble all the studies on both sides. And so I'm prepared to talk about those studies and I'm prepared to submit ads, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, for each of the points. And by the way, I've done that with Peter Hotez. I've, I've actually, because I had this, um, this kind of informal debate with him several years ago with a, with a, a referee at that time. And we were debating not only by phone, but by email. And on those emails, every point that he would make, I would cite science. And he could never come back with science. He could never come back with publications. He would give publications that had nothing to do with, for example, thimerosal and vaccines, mercury-based vaccines. He sent me one time 16 studies to to uh, to rebut something I'd said about thimerosal, and not one of those studies. They were all about the MMR vaccine, which doesn't contain thimerosal. So it, it was a real debate where you're, you know, you're you're using reason and isolating and having a you know a rational discourse i I don't think that he i don't blame him for not debating me because i don't think he has the the science you know it's funny when you start talking about this topic and i was talking about this years ago the only time it's only this topic when people will answer you'll answer something that's like really damning and like all the evidence is there and then they say i'd like to think that everything like it's not about what you like to think it's about what is there let's just observe evidence or like I would hope that all scientists are good or I like to think that our agencies are protecting the people. You know, I would hope that the scientists have our best interests. Okay. That's fantastic. I hope for the same thing. I hope everybody on earth is a fantastic human being who wants me to be a multi-billionaire and live freely and nobody affect my life whatsoever. I hope that everybody agrees with that, but that's not what this is about. This is about what is the objective truth? And let's search it. Just like I read earlier on Bill Ackerman's tweet. It's in the pursuit of the truth. Whatever the answer is, is what it is. Okay. This is it. People on this topic, when you talk about vaccines, all of a sudden it's emotions that come into play. Like, you know, I hope that everything I was told my whole life wasn't a lie. Well, I've, yeah, I hope the same thing. I hope the same thing. Or I hope no one misled me. Well, guess what? So do I. Is that what we talking about? What's the argument here? Are we discussing what we hoped? Are we discussing what we wish for? Are we discussing what we pray for at night? Are we discussing the objective reality of the truth? What are we doing here? What are we doing? And people get confused. It's the only topic where people get confused. Like we're debating emotions and opinion or we're debating objective truth. Other scenarios, no problem. Like law and all that. You could do, just search for the truth. doesn't matter how you feel. Vaccines, ah, I feel that it should be this way because otherwise I'd been lied to. Yeah, well, the feeling sucks. Wait until you realize you're in an upside down world. It's it's a tough pill to swallow, but once you swallow it, you'll be much better off. It's fantastic because then we can start fixing you know everything. So uh, that's what I got for today. That's the Jonathan Kogan show at your service, telling you uncomfortable truths, sharing with you information, you know, and for you to make your own decisions, for you to use your own God given critical thinking skills, use your own brain, your cerebellum, your amygdala, all that stuff. Use it, baby. Use it. Okay. It's awesome. Use it. We're making critical thinking amazing again. All right. That's what we're doing. We're making critical thinking great again. Um, and that's what I got. Listen, I could have played some more videos on, on the studies, but you get the gist, you know, what's going on and it's a bombshell. Go check out the study yourself. The Denmark study. I love the name of the Denmark person. Schmeling. I love it. Schmeling and colleagues. What a name. Hey, did you check out the study from Schmeling and colleagues? Yeah, I smelled them on the Schmeling. I love that. Schmeling and colleagues. I'm sorry. I get, I can say that all day. What What do you think of Schmeling and colleagues? I think they are fantastic. <laughs> all right. Subscribe to John Tacoga show. Subscribe to the Rumble channel. Like the Rumble, whatever you call it. Give it a Rumble. Like on, oh, this won't be on YouTube, obviously. And follow on Twitter at KOGZ. This will obviously be on Twitter because there's free speech there at the time being. And that's all I got for you today. I'll see you tomorrow. John Tacoga show. I'm out.